Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. And from IU School of Public Health Bloomington, addressing public health needs by preventing disease, promoting health, and improving quality of life across the state and around the world through research, teaching, and community engagement, offering undergraduate and advanced degrees, publichealth.indiana.edu. Hello and welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg with co-host Sarah Whitmire, who's sitting in today for Mary Catherine Carmichael. It's the third largest tornado outbreak in Indiana history. Across the country, more than 80 tornadoes have been reported, and more than two dozen of those were in Indiana. Look at that coming across the parking lot. Oh, right I think there. you're right, Andy. Yeah, this is a good idea. Look at this. This should be the right for our right. safest place in this place then right there it is i drove race cars for a long time right and a couple times when i had a really bad right crash it flipping the car went to flipping there and barrel rolling that's exactly what it sounded like like you were in a real bad wreck just like every two or three minutes the emergency alert was coming on the tv you can tell god had his hand over everybody that's it man my ears popped Today we have a special noon edition. We'll take you to parts of the state affected by the tornadoes, and we'll dig into Indiana's laws about emergency warnings. We also have three guests joining us. Mayor Greg Goodnight from Kokomo will be here later in the program. Joe Wellman, the mayor of Washington, Indiana, will be here. And Maria Carrasquillo is here. She is with the Red Cross. Uh, the National Weather Service is continuing to update its damage reports, but we know at least 26 tornadoes touched down across the state on Sunday. Of course, those are preliminary numbers, and the National Weather Service says they are likely to change. November 17th, though, ranks third for the number of tornadoes that touched down in Indiana in one day. And, Sarah, as you report uh, here, that's really remarkable. When you visit some of these communities and you see half a house that's missing or you realize a car on one person's lawn really belongs to their neighbor three doors down. On Sunday morning, the alerts began coming in. A fast-moving storm capable of producing damaging winds. The radar images looked ominous. The National Weather Service issued tornado watches in seven states. They were having weather alerts on the TV. And my stepson turned on his phone and radared it, and we saw it coming. So I went to look out the back window, and there it was. Oh, my God. There it is. It's on the ground. It's on the ground. We got done. We got a tornado got on the ground. Just as quick as we knew it was coming, it was right on top of us. More than two dozen tornadoes touched down in Indiana. In Kokomo, two EF2 tornadoes hit, meaning they carried wind speeds of up to 135 miles per hour. I was looking out the back window back there, and I saw a tree get ripped up out of the ground roots and all, and come swinging between the houses. Michelle Steelman says she yelled for everyone to take cover. And right about then, the wall busted in and glass just flew everywhere. My stepson grabbed my nephew and threw him from where the table is there into the couch, which made the door window frame there missing. My son saved my nephew's life. Like everybody says, you hear the freight train, you better get down. Because, I mean, we didn't even have time to react. It was that quick. And I watched my garage, you know, disappear. And after that, it just, all the windows exploded and all the insulation I couldn't see no more. It just happened that quick, about two seconds, it seemed like. And it was over. According to the National Weather Service, one of the tornadoes that hit Kokomo was short, but the other one stayed on the ground for about 10 miles. Steelman and Wendell Miller were sorting through the pieces of their lives Monday. In all of the debris, Steelman tried to find pictures and family mementos. I don't know how much I can salvage. We'll probably just have to start completely over. Miller, meanwhile, surveyed the outside of the house. It's gone. But you can see how far it slid off the front on the foundation. But yeah, it's this was a worst side hit right here because it was coming from the south. But you can see how it separated the wall right there too. The day after the storm, Kokomo's mayor Greg Goodnight 
walked the streets, surveying the damage with Governor Mike Pence. If you look here, uh, the number of homes and the uh, severity of the damage, this is probably the worst. Uh, there's, there's other areas close, but I would think this is, this is the toughest part. We are grateful. Uh, we are grateful to God. We are grateful to all of those mentioned uh, that, uh, that apart from uh, uh, injuries that have been reported here in the state of Indiana and significant property damage, uh, that there's been no loss of life uh, in the Hoosier state. The tornadoes damaged 300 homes in Kokomo and destroyed 60 more. About two dozen businesses were destroyed. Although no one was killed, more than 30 people were taken to the hospital. Emergency officials say none of their injuries was serious. Around here, as you can see, it's total devastation, but everybody's okay. Thank God for that. You can tell God had his hand over everybody. Takes my breath away. It's hard, hard to believe we lived through that. Just thank God nobody's hurt and we're all, we all still have each other. We have uh, three guests with us today. Greg Goodnight, the mayor of Kokomo, is going to be here with us later, so we'll talk a lot more about Kokomo's situation. We'll also talk in a few minutes with uh, Joe Wellman, the mayor of Washington, Indiana, and Maria Carrasquillo is here. We're going to talk to her in just about 15 seconds. <laughs> but first, let me give you the phone numbers in case uh, you want to give us a call, 855-0811 in Bloomington, 877-285-9348 outside the Bloomington area. You can also join a live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. Maria, so uh, tornadoes like this, you've been through a few of them. I mean, how's this one compare this this last weekend? Well, I think this this past weekend was probably one of the worst tornado uh outbreaks that I've ever been through. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing how the people of Indiana have pulled together after this particular event. Mm -hmm. We've seen people throughout the entire state who've suffered damage, definitely uh, a lot of devastation about the, around the Kokomo area. But we've also seen a lot of damage throughout the entire state. Mm -hmm. People have been helping each other, neighbor helping neighbor. And we've had a lot of uh, Red Cross volunteers who've stepped up. Shelters have been open throughout the state. And even though there's a lot of sad stories about houses destroyed and some people who've had some injuries, there's also been a lot of really wonderful stories about people helping each other come through this. And what is it that after a tornado hits like this that people who who aren't involved what is the thing they should be doing if they if they want to help because i know there were curfews in a lot of these areas and i assume they didn't want just people showing up absolutely one of the worst things that people can do and it is it is our nature to try to help each other we see something that has happened something like this and we want to help we really recommend that people train before an event that they look at what uh, nonprofits and charities are out there, and they decide, this is the group that I want to train with, that I want to participate with. Uh, the Red Cross is certainly one of those groups, but there's many other groups, church groups, several other groups out there that are participating in the response. Train now before something happens so that when it does, because we will have another tornado within the state, it's just a matter of when, you are then able to assist and as a trained responder and provide the assistance that will be needed. When an event like this happens, Maria, how long does the Red Cross typically sort of stay involved? I mean, were you, are you going to be there for weeks, days, weeks, months? We'll be there for as long as there's a need for us. Mm -hmm. And in previous major storms like this, I mean, how long can it typically be? It, it really depends <clears throat> on the situation. In some areas, we are looking at uh, some shelters already closed and uh, people starting to put their lives back together. So that immediate response that we typically see from the American Red Cross of shelters being set up and that type of assistance, we've already scaled that down. But we remain in the community and we look at what additional needs might exist. And we work with other organizations in the community to address them. Mm -hmm. One of the folks we talked to in Kokomo who was a horrible story where he had, he had lost his house and, and everything. But instead of going to a shelter, he told us that he was his insurance was paying for him to go to a hotel. So then does the Red Cross get involved after that insurance money runs out to, to help him get back on his feet? Or, or I guess how, how does that work? Because he he did indicate that... You know, the hotel isn't going to last forever, and then he's got to find a place to live. 
Well, one of the things that we want to do is to help people on the path to recovery, and that can take several different ways. It's not just that that financial assistance piece, even though that's what a lot of people look forward to. It's also that conversation, okay, let's sit down and think about what's your next step. You did get that assistance from your insurance company, but that's just a, a finite amount of money. Maybe you need to sit down and plan on how you're going to use that money. Let's sit down and think about what your next steps are going to be. And that's on, honestly a big part of what we do. Okay. All right, Maria. Thank you very much for talking with us today. That was, that's Maria Carrasquillo. She's going to be here with us. If you have uh, questions or comments, you can also phone us and get in on this program by calling 855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. You can also join a live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition, or you can follow us on Twitter. So the town that suffered really the most in the weekend's tornado outbreak was Washington, Illinois, where people are confirmed dead. But Washington and Indiana, Washington, which is in the southwestern part of the state, felt a blow from the storm cell as well. While no one was killed there, more than 100 homes were destroyed, and countless people say that they're just lucky to be alive. Claire McInerney went down there to uh, Washington, and she takes us there now. Roger Watson was watching NASCAR in the home where he grew up when he met the tornado face-to-face. I opened my back door up and tried to get out my back door, and it was coming down the alleyway here, and it just grabbed me and threw me back into the house. So I just curled up in a fetal position and just laid there until it was over, and then all the glasses started breaking and stuff was flying around inside the house. You know, I, I thought I was a goner. Five minutes later, it was over. I just walked outside and it looked like a war zone. The war zone in Washington includes roofs ripped off of houses, fallen power lines, and debris littering the streets. As Watson tours the town the day after the tornado hit, he points out how the storm destroyed certain homes but left others intact. The storm took out the windows of Watson's house and moved it off its foundation. A large shade tree in his yard was nearly split in two. My mom planted that tree about two weeks after I was born, so that tree's like 56 years old. And, you know, I thought that tree would be there forever, and (laughs) now over half of it's gone. Two tornadoes passed through Washington, both EF2s. One was on the ground only a short distance, but according to the National Weather Service, the other one traveled almost 20 miles. That's rare for a tornado in Indiana, especially in November. But meteorologists say Sunday's warm temperature combined with the high dew point made the twister travel further. The day after the tornadoes hit, the residents of Washington were trying to move beyond the shock of this situation and begin picking up the pieces. The focus shifted to recovery. Power crews were putting lines back up, and residents whose homes were spared were helping out their neighbors. Representative Larry Bouchon was touring the area with the mayor and the governor so he could take residents' stories back to Washington, D.C. I'm here because I want to make sure that if the federal government needs to be involved in helping with these uh, recovery efforts, that my office will uh, be engaged in that process and smooth uh, the process so that we can get people, as the governor said, back to work, back into their lives and help them uh, get through Uh, what is a very uh, troublesome time for them and their families. The rebuilding process in many ways is just beginning in Washington. The streets will be cleared, power will be restored, but the piles of rubble consist of pieces of people's lives, and some of the things will never be replaced. I don't know, it's going to take a while to get, get over this. It's really devastating. We're joined now by Washington Mayor Joe Wellman. He's going to give us an update on how the recovery is going down there. Mayor, welcome to the program. Thank you. Good afternoon. You've had an awfully busy week. So, uh, you know, just in general, you know, how are things progressing down there? Well, physically things are progressing quite well. Um, as uh, as you said a little earlier, uh, we had no deaths and no injuries, which was a miracle in and of itself. Um, and uh, we've had a couple of minor you know, injuries in, during the cleanup area, you know, somebody stepped in an a, on an ale and that kind of thing. But um, we have been very blessed. Uh, no, no, no injuries, no deaths here, unlike our neighbors to the west. Mm-hmm. So wh- have you, what have you been spending your time doing? I know you toured the area with, uh, you know, with the governor and, and with the, the representative, Larry Bouchon. Um, you know, what, what have your days been like? 
Five days has, have been a lot of uh, coordination of, of efforts. Um, we uh, The best thing we probably did early on was uh, appoint a, a city employee who has been coordinating all the volunteer efforts. We set up a volunteer center uh, on one of the church lots uh, right on the edge of the devastated area, and that's where we have staged all volunteer, uh, you know, people sign in. Uh, we've tried to collect information from residents as to what they need. Uh, that's been our central uh, point of operation for Red Cross and Salvation Army. And uh, so coordinating that effort has been a big part of my days. Uh, we've had once or one or two, once or twice a day we've met with our response team, which included uh, people from the state um, and the uh, Department of Homeland Security, uh, Department of uh, Environmental Management, uh, uh, INDOT, and of course several of my department heads, and the county and city. We've, we've, the, the great thing locally here is that we have had wonderful cooperation between the county and the city and the, and the state on this thing, and that's made a world of difference. So you have all those I, agencies on the ground cooperating right now on the response? Yes. Uh, they've all been, um, you know, some have been here and left, but um, they've all been on the ground, been here in person, and been involved with each day we get together. What do we need to do? What have we accomplished? And what needs yet to be done uh, short-term and long-term? Um, and we've, uh, that's been a, been a wonderful, uh, that's been a big help. And just how are community members, you know, responding and, and sort of picking up the pieces now that we're a couple days out? Where are people staying, sort of thing? Yes, it's been it's been five days. Most of the people, uh, we we you know we had a few people that needed to put up in in motels uh, locally, but most everyone, you know, we're a fairly close knit community with a lot of family, and I think a lot of people had family support that. They could go stay with family members elsewhere in the community, and uh, uh, so that that has been a big help. You know, in our cleanup, as far as rubble and tree, we had a lot of trees down and a lot of uh, construction rubble and uh, that kind of thing. But between the, the the city departments that have all pitched in and the county uh, highway crews, uh, we've gotten most of that cleaned up. We think that. All that will be pretty much cleaned up by next week. Uh, the piece that's, that's left now is the longer term. Uh, while we had no deaths, you know, it's still an emotional scar to people to lose their home. And, uh, so, and we're working with our local United Way. We have a, a local uh, connections group that coordinates volunteer efforts uh, as an ongoing thing. And we're coordinating with them and with other agencies, uh, our hospital mental health group, to try to know, reach out to the folks and, and get them connected with whatever help they might need. Uh, we have some Amish crews, I, I've learned the last couple of days, uh, Amish and Mennonite crews that are willing to come in and help people rebuild if they don't have the financial resources. So um, a lot of a lot of church groups are a big help, too. Now, Mayor Wellman, the, the, uh, if, you, if you would, just sort of take us back to to last Sunday, and you know when the, when you first learned that you know a tornado was heading your way, and then after it hit, I mean, what what's your what's your as mayor, you know, what's your first reaction, and what's, what what do you do initially? Well, of course, I was in my basement with my wife, and uh, uh, you know, I had my city radio, and that's the first hint I had that we had damages. I I don't live close to right where the damage the main damage was. Uh, I live on the other end of the city, and so you know, I immediately uh, came uptown. I started hearing reports from police and fire, so I came uptown to see what was what was happening, and then that's when I realized how bad it was. And uh, so we immediately, uh, of course, the whole city was without power, so our electric crews started working immediately to try to restore power, and uh, we set up a, a, a command center um, at our at our county uh, uh, security center, uh, and uh, we had power in our city in our city hall and our uh, police department and police dispatch had power uh, almost immediately. But the rest of the city was out for about seven hours, and then we got most of the city on. But it took a little longer to get the heavily damaged area. It took us uh, till um, uh, three days, and we finally got 
power up to, to everybody. You know, when something like this happens in a community, I, I, one of my thoughts is always about, about the schools and what happens with the kids and their parents, and there's got to be a lot of coordination. I mean, what, what has happened with, uh, you know, your, your school district in terms of classes and, and making any kind of adjustments that needed to be made? Our school uh, called off school on Monday, and then on Tuesday they had a two-hour delay, and a lot of that was because I instituted a curfew immediately uh, for Sunday night and, uh, and Monday night. Uh, and we uh, and so the schools were very cooperative. They postponed uh, some athletic events on Monday evening, and uh, so that helped a lot. And our, the area that was hit, while it has a lot of damage in it, was, was not huge. Uh, so we were able to, we've had it cordoned off um, ever since Sunday evening and tried to keep people out of that area uh, for the safety of, of the residents and, and the workers and the volunteers. Uh, of course, we had a lot of electric lines down, so that was a concern of, of public safety. So, mm-hmm. uh, and what about uh, groups and organizations in the community, like service clubs and other organizations, have they, have they stepped up and be very, been very helpful? Yes, our churches especially have stepped out there, um, but school groups, uh, we had uh, two busloads of kids from Washington High School and our, uh, our, uh, junior, our Naval Junior ROTC group, uh, they've been there uh, helping. Uh, they came out a few hours yesterday afternoon just uh, with brooms and rakes and, and shovels and started picking up the small you know, smaller debris. Um, and so that's been a big help. Uh, Lincoln High School in uh, neighboring Vincennes uh, sent over, I believe, 60 kids on Wednesday. So it's just been an outpouring. It, yesterday I was out walking and there were some small kids out and with a couple of adults and I asked them who they were and where they were from. They were from a home schooling group in Jasper and Lagodi. So that's been mm-hmm. uh, huge, a huge help. We've gotten a lot of assistance from other communities. Every mayor in the area texted me immediately or emailed me and let us know. We had line crews here from Jasper, Huntingburg, and Crawfordsville that helped us get our electric pack on, too. Mm-hmm. I want to send our thanks to them. Will the city apply for any sort of disaster recovery money, or, or how does that process work, and when, when would that begin? Well, I'm learning that process myself kind of as we speak. Uh, Of course, uh, I heard you report earlier that the governor and Congressman Bouchon were in town, and I'm in contact with the governor's office as to, you know, what are the next steps as far as getting people assistance or or low-interest loans or whatever. Um, There's a state state fund of money available. What we found is several people in this area, the area that went through were uh, a lot of rental you know, single-family homes that had been converted to rentals. And uh, so we've learned that there are, you know, there are several rent, rental units in this area, and some of those renters have, have moved on, you know, have found another place to, to live or rent while their house, while the house they were in maybe is getting repaired. We've also found that there are several uh, people that were uninsured in the area. So that's of concern to me because those folks, you know, are going to, you know, unless they have, money in the bank, you know, they're going to be strapped, strapped for financial assistance. So I hope to get some uh, further information next week from the state as to what's available at the state level. A lot of it will depend on whether we are eventually, we in Kokomo and Lebanon and the other communities around the state that were hit in this, in this series of tornadoes, uh, if we are de- uh, declared a, a state or a federal disaster area. And that, that then kicks in a whole other set of Mayor, I have a couple other quick questions for you, and then we'll let you go. Sure. One is, are there are there things uh, in particular that your community needs? If there's anybody out there that wants to help, and, you know, how can they help? We don't, we don't want to send a whole bunch of people down there that are just going to mess things up. So, Right. Well, we, uh, we're still, you know, we're still looking for volunteers, uh, particularly tomorrow. But as I said earlier, I think by, you know, through uh, by Monday, most of the debris and that kind of thing, you know, and when I talk about that, I'm meaning debris that's on the ground, trees and branches and roofing and those kinds of things. Obviously, we have a lot of homes that will need to still be attacked, uh, you know, roofs put on and those kinds of things. But um, we're also, uh, so anyone that, we've had an outpouring of, donations of food and water we're pretty we're in good shape on that uh we still need a few 
you know, people, particularly tomorrow, today and tomorrow, that uh, that we could use some help with. And following that, financial assistance are uh, we've uh, we've appointed uh, our local Davis County United Way as the fiscal agent to handle uh, monetary donations, and, um, and and that can be uh, if folks wish to send money, and that money will go toward the victims um, to you know any. Thing they need done that they can't afford. That's where that money will be. Done. All right, and then very quickly, this is uh, you know the timing is always interesting. Thanksgiving is coming up this week, so uh, you know what what are you thankful for going into the Thanksgiving holiday? Well, I am very thankful that we had no injuries. Uh, you know, you, you don't usually hear of a tornado touching down and covering many many blocks in a, in a city, not not having injuries. So that's right. my that's my primary thankfulness, and then secondarily is just thankful to, to all the volunteers and people that have offered assistance. So we've even had folks that have volunteered Thanksgiving Day dinners for some of the victims. So. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Washington Mayor Joe Wellman, thank, thank you. And, thank you. And have a happy Thanksgiving. All right. We're going to take a short break now. You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville. Information at smithville.net. And IU School of Public Health Bloomington. Online at publichealth.indiana.edu. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state each day. You can read news throughout the day as it's posted on our website at wfiu.org. And you can pick up a digest of all the top stories. It's like a newspaper delivered to your inbox each afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of not only the headlines, but also the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIU.org news. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times, along with Sarah Whitmire from WFIU and WTIU. We're having a special program today about the tornadoes that came through Indiana last week or last weekend. This weekend, I guess. Well, Sunday. So we're we're uh, we have already talked to uh, the mayor of Washington, um, Joe Wellman, and we have Maria Carasquillo here in the studio with us from the Red Cross. We're going to have Greg Goodnight, the mayor of Kokomo, on in uh, just a little bit. Uh, but if you want to give us a call, we'll have time to to give you uh, uh, get your question in um, at eight five five zero eight one one in Bloomington or eight seven seven. Two eight five nine three four eight outside of the Bloomington area, or you can join a live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. So weather radios are part of this story. They can save lives, and even if the radio is turned off, it will activate automatically to let you know of potential dangerous situations. They broadcast weather and emergency information directly from the National Weather Service. The city of Kokomo has a program to sell weather radios to residents at a reduced rate. People can just come by City Hall and pick one up. The city really promotes the program because it doesn't have any sirens within the city limits. Still, as Simon Thompson reports, not everyone knows about the program, and a pair of roommates say they survived the tornado only because their families notified them. Roommates Drew Larrick and Taylor Glenner weren't sure how much attention they should pay to the warnings they heard Sunday. It's just something you don't think could happen to you. It was business as usual as they hung around the house not knowing a tornado packing wind speeds of nearly 130 miles per hour was headed their way. His mom called and said we got three minutes and we grabbed the TV and ran to the kitchen and we are going to go to the basement and she, his brother called and said you guys have one minute. So we ran down there. Drew's mom and brother were listening to a weather radio. And I heard a loud bang and we just ran downstairs and as soon as we got down there the windows exploded and I jumped on the mattress and he jumped back there and I heard the house creak and I looked up and it just came right at us and I closed my eyes and the next thing I looked up I could see the sky I just couldn't believe it. 
The tornado lifted their house 30 feet, spun it and threw it down, buckled and twisted onto the other end of the yard. The now exposed basement they took refuge in is nothing more than a mess of cinder blocks, splintered wood and wet furniture. It's a nightmare. It sounded it, just like a movie. We are so scared, but luckily we got out alive. Kokomo is unprotected by tornado sirens. Instead, Mayor Greg Goodnight says the community relies on the media and weather radios. Tornado sirens, I've never been a fan of tornado sirens. They uh, are very limited. It's an outdoor warning of, uh, device. Weather radios are in your home. You can take it with you. You can, uh, they, you know, it has a battery backup there. Uh, wherever you are, you can take that with you and, and you don't have to rely on towers and, you know, Goodnight has been a driving force behind a program that has distributed thousands of weather radios to Kokomo residents. Rhonda Applegate sells the radios at Oshawa Farm and Home Store in Ellettsville. She says they always see a spike in sales after a severe storm. During a storm, I always make sure that it is up and the volume is up to where you can hear it come across. And uh, time to show again. Um, to where you could hear the volume and hear what's going on, but it'll tell you exactly where it's at and when when it's increment we should seek shelter. Tornado sirens can cost $25,000 each and have a reach of approximately a half mile. Goodnight says he's done the research and still after this week's devastating tornadoes says he doesn't think they are worth the investment. The weather radio is your best uh, source for uh, you know, any inclement weather. Tornado sirens are limited to tornadoes. Uh, weather radios could be for flooding or any other natural disaster. So uh, they are much more effective and, and, uh, and, and much more personal uh, and, and, and people are able to, you know, to have access to them. The Kokomo program cuts the cost of weather radios by about two-thirds. The city buys radios in bulk that would normally retail for about $30. They sell them to residents for $8. Goodnight says it's just like having a tornado siren in your home. Taylor and Drew just moved into their home two months ago and say they never got around to getting one of the radios. But really, his brother saved our lives because we were upstairs. And literally, we got down within 30 seconds and it, the house was just over there. As the two dig through their belongings and work to salvage what they can, they're faced with the reality that they'll likely be moving back in with their parents. I don't, I don't know how much more you can prepare for something like this. It's... Well, the issue of, of uh, weather radios uh, is, is a good one, and sirens is a good one. I mean, as the mayor said, if everybody has a weather radio, it seems like a perfect solution but apparently not everybody goes everywhere with you right yeah just letting people know that the city even offers this program seems to be an obstacle at least with some people there right well i want to ask uh, maria carasquillo about the the red cross and uh, what you know what do you recommend people do to get ready for any kind of disaster i mean whether it's flooding a tornado a major snowstorm which we could have this winter i mean what's the red cross tell people they should do to be prepared well we have three main things that we recommend people do uh, the first thing is that people make a disaster plan, that you understand what the dangers are in your community. A lot of people do not realize that we live in in a part of the country that's prone to earthquakes. So, you know, you need to know what kind of things could occur. You're absolutely right. We could have some kind of a weather event this uh, this winter, like a winter storm or an ice storm. Absolutely tornadoes, uh, an earthquake. So understand what could happen in the area then make a make sure that your entire family understands what those events could be look at your house make a plan of how you're going to exit the house in case of one of those events or if it's something like a tornado where you might have to shelter within the house look at what room in the house is going to be in the lowest level of the house and that it's going to be protected that's not going to have any exterior windows so in then go to step the next step, which is to prepare uh, an emergency supply kit. Put you know get uh, a supply of uh, non-perishable food, some water, extra clothes. Uh, we have a list on our website, a very comprehensive list that people can download on www.redcross.org. Mm-hmm. Put that together. Make sure that everybody, including children and the family, know where that is. In practice, taking it out a few times a year so everybody knows what's in there. Mm-hmm. The shelter-in-place idea is really interesting to me because so many of the people we talked to, including this pair of roommates from Kokomo, 
said, you know, they, they were sheltering in place in a lower level of their home, but then the whole house was just lifted off its foundation. And it's, it seemed like we saw a lot of that in Washington, too, where they were just off their foundation. So in those cases, I guess I'm just wondering, should you have a plan A and a plan B, maybe one that doesn't involve being in your house? or It's all going to depend on how much time you have. In in the case of a tornado, the because of how quickly the storms do come, your best honestly your best bet is to get to the lower level of a house and get in a room. Now if you don't feel safe, if you think that you're gonna be safer outdoors, you wanna look for um a, a small depression on the ground and lay there. And we have a lot of information on this. Also, FEMA on, well, actually, ready.gov is another good resource for people uh, so that they can start preparing. Uh, And we recommend that people continually prepare simply because if you are, you know, the moment that you put together a plan, something might change and you need to update that plan. And that is something that in the emergency uh, preparedness world, we're constantly updating our plans, constantly practicing and looking at what else can we do to improve to make sure that if something happens, everybody everybody's going to come out safe. We have a uh, comment from, um, I guess it came to our website, it said, please comment on Monroe County Skywarn volunteers who are mostly amateur radio operators. And that comes from Mike. I don't know much about the group other than the, that they're there and that they do a good job of trying to keep track of what's going on and warning people. Uh, they do. They uh, And uh, I do know some of the Skywarn volunteers, and they're a wonderful group of volunteers, amateur radio volunteers, and they do train and they make sure that whenever that there's a, a weather event, they uh, operate a, a a radio net so they can continually communicate about what's going on with the storms, and they feed that information back to emergency management. Mm-hmm. That's it's important to know what's going on out there. Now, but they are trained volunteers, and they are trained by the National Weather Service on what to spot and what kind of. Uh, on on exactly what to look for when it comes to storms. Right. Now, I wanted to ask about technology, too, because, of course, we have the weather radios. That's a new technology, so it might it, it brings into question whether we need sirens, too. But there are also all sorts of other technologies now. Is the Red Cross – do you have an app or anything? Or are you oh, we, into- ha- we, we do, <laughs> absolutely. One of, uh, one of the apps that we have, and I think it's a very good one, it's a wonderful one, and I and, – it my in our my personal case it definitely used it this weekend was a tornado app, and uh, we, you can set it so that you can set your location, and it will give you emergency alerts whenever there's weather coming your way, and you can set it to monitor other locations as well, and it works just like a weather emergency radio. So you can have it with you. You can have your emergency weather radio wherever you go. So it just gives you a, an alert, just sort of beeps or buzzes? It or? beeps and it, it goes off, just emergency alert, emergency alert. And it sounds like a, like a tornado siren. Mm-hmm. And uh, when the tornado sirens were going off in Monroe County this weekend, so was my so was the tornado app on, on my phone. Mm-hmm. All right. Let me give the phone numbers again, although you might not be able to get on the air. You can at least pass your question along to our producers, 855-0811 in Bloomington, 877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington area, or you can send a question or a comment to the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. So now we have Mayor Greg Goodnight from Kokomo with us. Mayor Goodnight, thanks for being here. Do we have uh, Mayor Goodnight? Oh, okay. Guess we don't have him on the line, Sarah. Well, hopefully we'll get him on the line here shortly. I'm. Do we have him, Mayor? Good night. Yes. Oh, there he is. There he All is. right. <laughs> <laughs> slight, you guys lose me. Slight, te- <laughs> slight technical difficulty. It wasn't your fault. <laughs> oh, okay. It was nobody's fault. We were fine. All right. Well, well, thanks. This is I'm Bob Zaltzberg and Sarah Whitmire's here, and we want to get an update from you on. What's happening uh, in Kokomo with the, you know, the coming up after the storm? I know you've sure. been very busy up there. That's fine. Uh, so we're on now? Yes, we are. Okay, great. Uh, I'll give you some numbers. I was uh, on the phone earlier this morning with uh, the uh, Department of Homeland Security. Uh, try, and this is not a final number, but uh, we had about 47 homes completely destroyed, about uh, 179 
uh, sustained uh, major damage, 143 with minor damage, and another another 572 that were affected in some way. We had about 30 uh, businesses destroyed, uh, 32 with major or minor damage, and then about 53 that were affected in some way. And that does not include, they said they did not uh, do any outreach to the franchises, the national franchises. Uh, uh, this was just the local businesses or who. Uh, who they, so, so this doesn't include a lot of uh, uh, the chains and such. We've uh, cleaned up about 198 tons of debris. Um, I can tell you we think that's about that's less than 50% of what we need to, to do, and about 10,500 square yards of limbs, and that's less than half. Wow. So we were making progress. Most of the powers restored. Uh, if, for those of the, that aren't familiar with the situation, we're very fortunate in some ways. We had uh, no deaths. Uh, we had 32 people that sought emergency treatment. Only five were admitted, and none of those were life-threatening. So we're very happy. Yeah, well, that's fortunate. Um, what? So, what kind of uh, when when um, the storm hit on Sunday? I mean, what what kind of activity did what did you go into right away? What kind of activity? What kind of plan did you have to to get everything cleaned up? I and mean, what was your role, Mayor? Sure, uh, absolutely. Well, I'll tell you, I was uh, actually out of town, just uh, but another community, just a county away. Uh, visiting a, a, a uh, my uh, wife's aunt who was in the hospital, so we were. Uh, you know, we obviously we're like everyone else. I thought the uh, the uh, public, uh, you know, the television stations, radio stations, mainstream media did a great job. Uh, even as late, or excuse me, as early as Friday, of uh, letting people uh, raising awareness that the potential for uh, disaster uh, was going to be possible on Sunday. So I think everyone went about their day with uh obviously with with uh with an eye on the on their uh on the news to, to keep an eye on things so uh we went uh up to a hospital in another community and they uh, uh while i was there they they actually they uh they had tornado sirens go off and so we saw it we were on our way back went ahead stopped at uh, family members and and um <laughs> it's an interesting story there, but we'll get to that if you want. But anyways, and then uh, as soon as I, as soon as we saw that it was passed, came back to Kokomo, started uh, getting texts and uh, information from my fire chief, and uh, started mobilizing our department heads on Sunday afternoon to figure out what the immediate uh, concerns were with power lines down and gas leaks and things like that. And uh, knowing we only had about you know, three hours, two and a half, three hours of daylight. So we, met at our da- we met at our downtown fire station. State police uh, were uh, there. Uh, uh, Doug Carter, superintendent of the Indiana State Police, was uh, uh, in town within an hour or two, and uh, we started our, our plan. You mentioned you have about half the debris cleared, maybe less than that. So, so what's next now? We're you know, five days out. What's next in just the recovery process? Well, uh, power's been restored. And, um, like I say, we, I think, you know, most of the areas, you know, everything's secure as far as for safety reasons. We have been uh, very fortunate. I've had uh, probably more than a dozen, maybe close to 20 different mayors from other cities that have reached out to help us. And, uh, you know, we had to, honestly, had to swallow our pride a little bit, and and I took some of them uh, up on that. We've had uh, crews in from Peru. Westfield today we have the city of Lawrence and, and the uh, city of Delphi have sent in a couple trucks and some some manpower to help us uh, uh, getting uh, things back to you know, somewhat uh, uh, normal and um, so we're just really uh, between that and our local volunteers and the volunteers from other parts of the state uh, we're just very very thankful and, and you know each day uh, we see uh, things heading in the right direction. Yeah, and I want to ask, Mayor. You know, you've you've gone through, uh, you know, with the recession and everything that's happened with the auto industry. You guys have recovered. You've you've come storming back as a community, and then you know now you have a tornado that comes through. I mean, what what are you going to? What do you expect as a community response? That is, will there be a, you know, a, will you gather a bunch of people together and say, now, you know, what do we do as a community to move forward from this? You know, how's that going to go? Well, you know, well. First of all, you're exactly right. We can't, you know, we can't stop. You can't let those things 
uh, stop us as a community. Uh, you know, they're, they're, and you have to look for those uh, silver linings sometimes for for the people. And you have to remember, a city fifty seven thousand or so. Uh, you know, the impact was on a few thousand. I mean, and 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 not to diminish this because the uh, those that were uh, affected by this storm uh, were affected. Uh, in a very dramatic and, and forceful way. So, uh, but you, you know, other parts of the ta- uh, of the city were were uh, you know very little. I mean, if you were in the northern part, of, northern half of the city, uh, most uh, most of those areas did not lose power, even let alone have uh, severe wind damage, maybe a few limbs down. So, our community's obviously going to be fine. Uh, there are some individual tragedies, uh, just with the uh, loss of personal. Items and such, and, and, and just the stress of going through that recovery period. Uh, so we can't let it slow us down as a community, and, and we're you know as, as much as uh, we're fo- you know, focusing on that on this this week. I still have got to keep going forward with plans and development that we have going on in in uh, in the community. So uh, we'll be fine. And, Mayor, I know we've had you on Ask the Mayor several times, and you've talked a lot about emergency weather radios and the city's program to get those in more households in Kokomo. I'm just wondering, after this, how do you think that program, how do you think it worked? I think it worked well, and, and, I, and, and I don't want to give all the credit just to weather radios, but although uh, you know, the, the Department of Homeland Security will say that is your most valuable asset for inclement weather because it's not just for tornadoes. It could be for flooding. Uh, it could be for uh, uh, gas leaks or, or other things. But uh, I can tell you that on a personal level, I was in another community that had tornado sirens. And uh, when they went off, we went to a family member's home. Uh, my personal story, and I hate to say this because I had you know, personally no damage, but the once the tornado sirens went off, uh, I still had my uh, cell phone and was following the weather patterns, and I was watching uh, television, which was still intact uh, at that home. And the, weather, the tornado signs were off for 10 minutes before the storm came. Had I left there, that home and started working my way back towards Kokomo, I would not have, I would have been caught right in the middle of it. Uh, so I, I think with, with uh, I, I, I don't, I'm not a fan of tornado sirens. I, I think it's, uh, uh, I've, I've been very clear. I think it's an antiquated form of of, uh, of uh, informing people. I think the mainstream media did a great job from radio and television uh, informing the uh, the public. I think uh, social media. There were uh, you know the access to information was out there. Um, I uh, most uh, you know there's a lot of communities that don't have those uh, type of, of warning devices. Our county government recently, even though it's not been implemented, they've been proactive in putting in a reverse 911 system here in Howard County, which will be up uh, before the inclement co- weather comes in the spring. I think those are good public safety investments, and um, I'm, between the weather radios and the reverse 911, and the you know. The other media outlets, I think, I think they did a great job, and, and I think it's a testimony that we had no deaths or serious injuries. Mayor, I ask uh, Washington Mayor Joe Wellman the same question, but Thanksgiving's coming up, so, you know, in, in uh, the wake of these storms, what are you thankful for? Well, I'm thankful that a couple things. There, there, there's a lot. I, I mean, that's a great question. A uh, couple things. I'm thankful that we had no, you know, uh, there was one of our uh, citizens that said, you know, yeah, it is just stuff, but, you know, when it's your stuff, it's, it's it, 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 you know, it, it is, it's hard. And, and so I'm thankful that as a community we, um, you know, we made it through this without, you know, the, the bodily harm and the, and the, and the deaths. Um, and I hope I, there's a, you know, the thing we can learn from this as a, as a city is uh, for the even people that did not have any uh, personal attachment to this uh, this situation, uh, hopefully that they learn that, you know, that they become more thankful, you know, for what they do have, and maybe this is a good time for us to reflect on on uh, how fortunate we are and, and uh, how much worse it could be at times. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Mayor Greg Goodnight from Kokomo. Bob, my pleasure. Sarah, right. thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Thanks. All right. Have a good day. Uh-huh. Well, I want to thank uh, our 
all of our guests today, Mayor Greg Goodnight uh, from Kokomo, uh, Mayor Joe Wellman from Washington. Sorry we couldn't get to our callers. We were jam-packed with a lot of information today. I want to also thank Maria Carrasquillo for being here, for uh, for Sarah Whitmire and myself, Bob Zaltzberg, and for our producers, Emily Wright and Simon Thompson and engineer Mike Pashkash. I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. If you hear sirens, get out. I mean, get to the safest place. I mean, it's no joke. I mean, hopefully this is the last one I have to live through. What you see on TV is nothing like what really happened. Around here, as you can see, it's total devastation. I'm a lot luckier than the folks down on the street from me, so. I thank God for blessing me to still be here. As soon as it was over with, I hit the neighborhood and make sure everybody was okay. God had his hands over us for sure. Everybody here in Kokomo is, uh, I think we're all coming together and helping out the community, and it's uh, bringing everybody together for the most part. I, I like the response we're getting. You know, this, the house and everything you can replace, but I can't replace me or my husband. She's shocked, but she's just happy that we're both alive. So. The whole neighborhood is pulling together, trying to. Everybody's leaning on each other right now. The people around here, the volunteers, everybody has came and helped, and they've been terrific. You know, just just helping out. They help clear up all the debris. It, it's, they have been wonderful. And my church came, and they helped out, and I felt real proud. So, Rebuild. Hopefully rebuild. You know, insurance, you know, they'll take care of it. So just thank God everybody's okay. is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net and from IU School of Public Health Bloomington, addressing public health needs by preventing disease, promoting health, and improving quality of life across the state and around the world through research, teaching, and community engagement, offering undergraduate and advanced degrees, publichealth.indiana.edu.